Rooster Tail Talk, a podcast dedicated to everything related to the sport we all love, hydroplane racing. I'm your host, David Newton, and it's time once again, so sit back, relax, and welcome to Rooster Tail Talk. It is April 28th, 2020, and this is episode 32. For today's episode, I had the opportunity to talk with champion hydroplane racer, Patrick Howarth. Patrick may not be a household name in the Pacific Northwest, but he is ready to make a big splash in the unlimited ranks this upcoming season. He is no stranger to hydroplane racing, as he has over 121 career victories. He's a 10-time Valley Field Regatta champion, two-time world champion, nine-time Canadian high points champion, two-time U.S. high points champion, four-time North American champion, three-time U.S. nationals champion, five-time Canadian national champion, two-time Eastern Divisional Champion, and the list goes on and on. But you can tell, just within a few minutes of talking with Patrick, that he is a serious hydroplane racer. Today, I'm joined on via Zoom by Patrick Hayworth. How are you doing, Patrick? I'm doing great. Thank you. Good. I see that you got the boat behind you. It's ready to go. Got the degree boat. Yeah, I, I felt uh, doing the interview, why not show off the boat I'll be driving, uh, hopefully driving uh, this summer, uh, if they don't cancel the racing season. Yeah, God, I hope so. I, I mean, I, I, I want to get racing. I'm sure, I wanna, I'm sure you're ready to go out there and be racing. Oh, right? I'm, I'm just praying to God to uh, hopefully uh, start my uh, unlimited uh, career this summer. And uh, But, uh, you know, even if there's racing, uh, the problem uh, that uh, Bert and I have, is uh, hopefully uh, the borders will be open that we are able to cross oh. the border and uh, and go yeah. uh, race, uh, have fun. Yeah, yeah, that is something you have got to take into consideration. You're up a bit northern uh, from Debardish, right? You're in uh, in Canada up there. So yeah, it's a lot of crazy stuff going on right now. How are you handling the, this whole COVID crisis? Are you guys doing being safe and healthy? Or? Uh, we're, we're we're being safe here and uh, healthy. Unfortunately, well, unfortunately, fortunately, I I can still work uh, because uh, my business is uh, I I'm a distributor for Vortman Cookies uh, here in, in Canada. So um, I mean, I I deliver to every major retail store uh, cookies to every retail store. So they didn't they they didn't shut me down. So uh, fortunately for me, I was able to continue working. But uh, let's just say I've never washed my hands so many times in the past two months. Uh, yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. If your hands are like mine, they're, they're raw right now, which is my doctor said that if you're doing that, you're doing good. So. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad to hear you guys are safe. Yeah. I'm still working as well. I'm a, I'm a school teacher. I'm teaching from home. It's, it's a, it's a weird experience, right? So it's, uh, but it's, it is nice because I get to teach from my garage. And so I get okay. to show off all my boat, my models. I'm really into remote control models. So I'm showing all my students uh, more hydroplane stuff than I ever have. So it's, I'm educating them on that. That's so. pretty cool. That's what I used to do. Actually. <laughs> That's what I used to do actually is teach. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. 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 What what level did you teach at? At grade nine. Grade nine. Okay. Uh, I used to teach a grade nine uh, uh, science okay. uh, for, for a few years and then uh, taught mathematics. And yeah. then I just decided uh, I wanted to try something else. I was at an age where I wanted to try something else, get out of teaching and uh, just, so you never know. I may go back yeah. one day. Yeah. I've got the option of going yeah. back. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm at middle school level. I teach reading, but it's, um, it's nice to have summers off with that, you know, like weekends and summers off. So you can hit the races pretty easy with that. Right. <laughs> That's the only reason why I went into teaching and I was, <laughs> was to have my summers off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I, w I, I want to talk a bit more about your career and about racing and hydros. I know you've you've been racing for a good number of years. Yeah. Uh, quite impressive resume. Um, but before we go into that, um, you know what? Being in in Canada, in the eastern side of the you know northern America, there, I'm sure you had a different experience, kind of growing up and being exposed to hydroplanes and powerboat racing. But what what idols did you have growing up with that? Did you have any uh, favorite drivers, teams you followed, or any like hydro yeah. idols? Yeah, for sure. I mean, growing up, uh, I mean, uh, if you look at the limited classes, uh, I had a I had an idol. I think in every class. I mean, in the Grand Prix class, uh, 
when I was growing up, uh, you know, my, my favorite driver was uh, J.P. Lassard. Uh, there was also Robert Thera that was there, Tom Baker, I loved a lot uh, as well. So, I mean, there, you know, I, Daniel Braswell, which unfortunately passed away in an accident, he was also one of my uh, childhood idols. Uh, my dad, which was in boat racing for a long time, had a driver, Ronald Pro, which I loved to watch and I loved to learn from him. Uh, watch closely. He used to be an expert in getting the inside lane. So uh, when we were fighting for lanes, so I used to uh, observe him and, and study every move he made. So uh, yeah, it was uh, those those were my idols in the unlimited class. Uh, you know, when I was following when I was young, although we were very far in the you know the uh, technology wasn't what it was today. Uh, I was still able to follow follow the unlimited through. Uh, um, you know, uh, newspaper articles, uh, in magazines, uh, magazine articles and all that. So, you know, there was, uh, Chip Hanauer, Jim Cropfell, uh, uh, Tom Deep. Uh, um, yeah. So, I mean, those guys, uh, were, were the ones that I was following. Uh, Mark Tate, Mark Tate was one that I loved to, uh, you know, when he was driving, uh, uh the Smoke and Joes, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and, he drove um, this one right here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, that's the money to go. Uh, and the Winston. So, uh, yeah, uh, Unlimited uh, was, it was something that we saw, you know, when we were young, it was, you know, inaccessible for us on the East Coast, you know, mm -hmm. but it's something that we, 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 we dreamed of, uh, of seeing one day. Yeah. 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 Well, you said something there that kind of I picked up on that you were, you were talking about some of the drivers and how, some of them were really good at starts and getting the inside lane and you spent a lot of time observing them and kind of, you know, picking up some of their traits. I think really good drivers do that. So it's how much of that um, played into your, your driving style and your success? Oh, it, it, it helped a ton. Um, you know, my strengths has always been, uh, you know, I mean, I'm just going off what everybody says and, 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 you know, my, the, how do you say that in English? My, uh, uh, the way I, I drove, uh, I always used to have, you know, top two, top three lanes, uh, often 75% of the times I had lane one, uh, and, you know, uh, I've been known to get really good starts to be, uh, be on the, on the gun. So, uh, I mean, it's something that I studied, uh, uh, I'm, I'm a person that's very analytical, uh, you know, having a degree in mathematics. So uh, it's something that I love to study and I, that I, you know, just uh, practice, 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 you know. So um, those were my traits uh, when I used to drive was uh, getting the inside lane, getting the perfect start. And uh, uh, I'm strong on set up with both. So uh, it's something that I passion a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, I think it's very crucial for a driver to be very observant and be analytical like that. You can, only natural talent takes you so far, right? You have to put in that, the extra to get, to get more out of it. And your career really shows that you've, you know, done so much with it. You've 121 career victories in so yeah. many different classes. And can you speak a little bit more to your success over the years that you've had? Well, I started, uh, you know, having a hundred, you know, over 120 victories, uh, over my career. I started in 1993 and uh, I was fortunate enough to start in the two and a half liter class driving for my father uh, and, and uncle, which we had a major sponsorship with, which was an export a, uh, uh, which was Winston in the US. So we had a major sponsor. We had nothing but the wow. best. Uh, fortunately for me, I started in the, you know, in a, the, the best team with the best equipment. So uh, you know, um, my first ever race after after my re restrictions. You know, uh, we went on to win the championship that year with regard when I was rookie, and I think we only lost two or three times. Wow. Uh, yeah. So, but the good news is, like, you know, everybody always kept saying, "Oh, well, you're lucky. You're sitting in the best boat out there." But <laughs> uh, fortunately for me, uh, you know, I had often had lane one, and I often had good starts, which which, what I, which was the way I evaluated myself. Yes, I knew I, I was in the best boat, but uh, you know I wanted to uh, have no excuses when I got back at the shore. I went into five liters. Thing. Uh, we, we, we dealt with Jamie Ald, which was the best uh, boat builder on the East Coast. 
uh, out there at the time. Uh, started with the iTech uh, boat, which was another major sponsor. Uh, you know, and I've always had my dad and my uncle, which knew where they were going in boat racing. So uh, I knew I had good good mechanic. I knew I had uh, excellent propellers, and and the rest, uh, you know, I did the rest. I was very successful in the two and a half liter and five liter class. And don't forget, in those days, you know, the numbers, uh, yes, they're high, but in those days, we had a final on Saturday, and we also had a final on Sunday. We ran two different days, so I mean, the statistics can can go up real high, uh, real quick, uh, compared yeah. to today, where we only have one grand final, which is on Sundays. Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking, you know, your first year, you had great equipment and all that. It still takes, you know, the driver to put it into the final and and make it cross the finish line. It's, I feel like you probably had to learn pretty quick on a lot of things because it's easy to mess up, right? And especially if you're if you're handed you know, the keys to a, a pristine boat, like a Ferrari, you know, Ferrari type, you know, equivalent of a car, it's, you could mess up pretty quick and yeah, I, not go that way, right? Exactly, because Export A, I mean, they were putting in a lot of money, not only in the two and a half year, but in the sport and, and in the Grand Prix class as well, because they had, they were sponsoring two different classes. And I mean, yes, I was a rookie, but uh, for them, there were no excuses. I had to be, uh, I had to be in the, in the, you know, victory lane, and uh, uh, there were no excuses. Even if uh, it was my dad that was a crew chief at the time that was hired, he was actually a full-time, uh, uh, working full-time in, in, in the limited classes uh, hired by Explore Day to take care of the both, both the Grand Prix and two and a half leaders. So there were, there were no excuses. So uh, I had to perform. Yes, yeah. I was sitting in, uh, even though I, I was a rookie, uh, I had to perform. And, uh, you know, I messed up a few times and, you know, the uh, upper management with, uh, at Export A, which followed boat racing, you know, they weren't shy to come see me and uh, just give me a small message saying, <laughs> okay, you screwed up once, but don't screw up twice. So, yeah, yeah I mean, uh, we, I had pressure when I started. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. All right. <laughs> we went on to race five liters. After, after five liters, what was the next step for you? Where did you go uh, from there? I was fortunate enough to uh, uh, be seen by, uh, I mean, Valleyfield uh, had the unlimited lights um, yeah. on the East Coast and they raced in Valleyfield. And uh, I was fortunate enough to, to race uh, uh, Randy Haas, uh, Jamie Ald, unlimited lights for a few heats. And I also drove uh, Joe Fraunheim's and, uh, and Phil Bonancini's unlimited, uh, unlimited light. Uh, in 2002, and uh, I did well in my, in the the, uh, the qualifications. Just they just wanted to get me qualified uh, in in the unlimited lights. So uh, I did well in the qualifications. Then they invited me to Tri Cities and Seattle. And Tri Cities, uh, I won there uh, the first final ever. And uh, it's a funny story because uh, during the whole weekend they they were putting a rev limiter in the in the engine. And, um, you know, I was doing well. Uh, they, they, they told me, learn what the boat can handle with what you have. And in the final, they took the, uh, they took the rev limiter out. And uh, I'll always remember, I was going towards the first corner and uh, I was going so fast. Uh, it's as if all weekend I was running on seven cylinders and I'm yeah. like going towards the first turn. I'm like, am I going to be able to turn this thing? Uh, but I did. And uh, we won the race uh, that weekend. It was my first yeah. ever final in the unlimited lights I won. Ended up having lean, uh, lean two, I believe. Yeah. And uh, it went well. Got a great start and uh, went to Seattle. Uh, in Seattle, I didn't do the final, but uh, I, rose a, I rode a few qualifications and uh, learned uh, that uh, on the West Coast, there are beautiful courses uh, and the race hands are unbelievable. They know their stuff. They know their yeah. stuff as much yeah. as Valentine So yeah. uh, I was actually impressed. Very yeah, impressed. We, we have some diehard fans out here that follow the limited, unlimited class pretty closely, right? Oh, yeah. I learned the yeah. class yeah. last yeah. year. You always think you're on the East Coast. You always think that Valley Field's the biggest race in the world, and you know there are over a hundred thousand, you know, seventy-five thousand people that that show up in Valley Field over the course of the weekend, and you think it's big, but then you go to you go to Tri Cities, and your 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 jaw drop just drops, and then you go to yeah. Seattle, and you see the history 
so and and Madison as well, I was impressed. Um, you know, you watch the movie and then you're you're like, wow, I'm there. It's I'm live. You know, Madison. So it, it, I was impressed, very impressed uh, this year. Yeah, well, you mentioned Valleyfield now, and I want to talk about Valleyfield a little bit more. Um, yeah. Because I, I am from Seattle area, and I feel privileged with some of the racing that we have, but I'm a little bit jealous with all the stories I hear of Valleyfield. And yeah. I know there's a lot of other people out there that aren't uh, too familiar with that the area and that, that race and just how, how big of a crowd that draws. Could you could you speak to just the... Yeah, Valleyfield, Valleyfield has, has been gone, going on for... Uh, you know, over 80 years. I mean, uh, and uh, it's grown to 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 be. A, we have a we have over a 3.5 million dollar budget for just for Valleyfield for uh, wow. and, which is huge for uh, you know limited uh, limited uh, stock classes. You know, uh, the biggest class is Grand Prix. Uh, but Valley, what's amazing about Valley? It's a driver's course. It's a small course, one mile course, tight turns. You have race fans all around the lake so you don't only have fans on one side you have fans on the on, on both sides yeah. and and as a race driver uh, you you feel as if you're like in a stadium you know mm -hmm. uh, because the fans are so close to you i mean the the the, the guy in lane set six or seven uh, lane eight uh, he's only a hundred feet away from from <laughs> so i mean it's so close, you know, don't miss your turn because you may end up in the stand. So, it, it, you know, it's very tight. Uh, it's a driver's course. Um, but, you know, every year you, you have a, when I started racing in, in, in the 90s, I mean, in the two and a half liter class, you had like 40, 40 entries. That, you know, the best of the best from the U.S. was coming. You even had some guys, some guys like Wally Johnson and coming from the West, uh, you know, to race in Valleyfield. So, mm -hmm. you know, you had Valleyfield, you knew that, you know, the best in the world were there, uh, you know, in the classes you had like 42 and a half, 45, five liters. You, you had huge, huge boat counts and you had a lot of qualifications to get to the finals. So, you know, that's Valleyfield. Plus they, with the events they have, it, it don't forget, Valleyfield is a two-week event. You have weekend event. Uh, the first weekend is uh, you have a bunch of uh, shows at night. You have suppers. You have a car show. You have modelers, RC modelers, yeah, hydroplane yeah, racing, yeah. Uh, RC modelers. The first weekend, nice. and then you have you also have um, you know hydroplanes uh, on demonstration with drivers. You know so that the race fans can come see the boats up close. It's open to the race fans because not everybody has a pit pass to come see us in the pits. So, uh, and then uh, after that, the, the the main weekend, well, you have the races and you also have uh, uh, important shows at night uh, where you draw crowds of 20, 30,000 people just for, uh, you know, uh, music shows. So it's a huge event uh, and it, it attracts people uh, across everywhere. I mean, we have people from New Zealand and Australia that come down just, just for the Valleyfield race. So, uh, yeah. huge crap, huge crap. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I put that on my calendar this year. I was really hoping to make oh, it over well, there, uh, but, uh, we'll, we'll you know, for sure. Yeah, I'm the race director. I'm the race director. So, so I might be able to get a, a pass then to, to, yeah, to come in I maybe. All right. Personally, take care of you. All right. Well, hopefully next year I can make it out there. It's such a great event. I mean, it's sounds like there's, so much racing going on. You're so close. It's like a, like you said, it's like a, like you're in a stadium for hydroplane race. Exactly. That's yeah. that's the feeling for the driver, but it's also the feeling for, for the, the 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 race fans because you can be sitting on the back stretch and you'll see the boats will be, you know, you'll see the boats on the front stretch and you can see the whole race course and the front. You know, I mean, it isn't wide, so I mean. <laughs> Uh, the race course, uh, the, the boats are real, real close to you, real yeah. close to you. Yeah. yeah. Well, you the, are. The Grand Prix will blow your ears off when they well, go by. Good. That's, 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 that's how close they are. <laughs> <laughs> good. I, I can't wait to experience that. That's, that sounds fantastic. Yeah. But, but you are the race director. You're on the yeah. board of directors there. You 
so what what do your what does your job entail? What are you doing for, well, for Valley Field? There? I mean, uh, for I'm I'm on the board of directors for the Valley Field Regattas, but I'm also on the board of directors for Hydroplane the Hydroplane Racing League. Mm-hmm. Um, for the Valley Field Regattas, the uh, race director, it, what it entails is I represent on the board of directors. Um, you know, I take care of everything which, with regards to what the racing aspect for the Valley Field Weekend. Uh, I mean, the classes, uh, you know, I take care of uh, everything that's on the water, everything that's uh, in the pits, uh, you know, uh, you know, it's a, it's a team effort, but, you know, we have to coordinate everything with regards to pits, water, and uh, the judges stand. And so I take care of all, all of what's that you know, uh, everybody that they, that, uh, you know, volunteers for, for those three aspects. And, you know, uh, plus I, I, I work with, uh, the, the, um, representatives of each class, uh, we, we invite, you know, I negotiate, uh, who we invite, you know, as far as classes are concerned. So, uh, that's pretty much what I do at the Valley Field Regattas. With regards to the Hydroprene Racing Lead, uh, League, I'm also race director every weekend uh everywhere we go and on the board of directors i'm also in charge of what's uh, tech and safety um wow. you know they give you a title but we you know we work we work as a team uh you know uh, sometimes uh, more heads are better than one so uh it's a it's a team effort yeah yeah, yeah. and you sound tremendously busy with being on both those organizations and Oh, it's unbelievable. Yeah. 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 It takes a lot of time. A lot of time. Yeah. Well, I want to talk a little bit about the HRL uh, had to cancel. They decided to cancel the entire season for this year. Yes. Uh, Rightfully so. I mean, this is weird. I don't know how you want to describe the times we're in right now. Scary, unprecedented, plain weird with everything going on with the COVID-19 scare. But how, how is that going to affect both HRL and Valley Field for the next year? Is that just kind of putting a pause on things or is it going to make it harder? Oh, it's going to be what? tough. I mean, for Valley Field, uh, as much for Valley Field for HRL, I mean, it's going to be tough. I mean, you know, we want to grow HRL. We want to go get some sponsors, give more money to the racers. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we need sponsors uh, for Valley Field, uh, you know, period. Uh, and I mean, we know that we're going to have to be creative uh, in putting on a show next year. Uh, finding new ways to attract fans, finding new ways to uh, attract sponsors. Uh, it, it isn't going to be easy. It isn't going to be easy. And we had no choice this year. I mean, with the, with the Quebec government, you know, our provincial government just putting on these rules and regulations that no outdoor uh, shows uh, until August 31st, we were cancelling four races out of eight uh, in our championship uh, series. Uh, so we had no choice to like, I mean, and then after that is, are we really going to race? Uh, so, you know, plus crossing the border, you know, it, the hydroplane racing, uh, we, we have close to 65, 70 boats. And, uh, you know, now it's spread, it's 50% of it are Canadian, 50% are American participants now. So. Yeah. I mean, it's now an internet hydroplane racing league more than ever international, and it's it's even getting to be, you know, sixty percent American participants, forty percent Canadian. It, it's leaning towards that as as the years go by. So, um, you know, and we have that border issue right now. So, you know, we we were looking at all these options, and we had no choice to cancel. Yeah, choice to cancel. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, rightfully so, right? I mean. It's- I think number one priority or everything is everyone's safety and health. So I just hope that taking this time off, things will work out well for 2021 season. And hopefully from a dry, a dry, like a racer's perspective, it just gives them more time to get the boats ready and be oh, very look, prepared, I mean, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. Look, my, my stepson drives, uh, I mean, I have a 2.5 liter uh, at home. Uh, my stepson drives it. And, uh, I mean, it's going to give us some time. He's a rookie. He's 17 years old. I wanted to put him in a boat as quickly as possible. And I mean, you know, we're going to get the boat ready slowly but surely, and we're going to go testing. And once we're allowed to put in our boats in the water, 
uh, once the government feels it's safe, and uh, we'll do a ton of testing and we'll all be ready. The good news is that as a director's point of view, the the racers will not have any excuse of not being ready. Yes, yes. <laughs> as soon as the season starts. So, I mean, uh, if someone comes to see me and says, well, I didn't have time to test or I didn't have time to do this or I didn't have time to do that, I think I'm just going to... Yeah. Both my <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can't give you any more time than. No, no. You can't yeah. come over and yeah. give me any excuses. <laughs> uh, so I mean, hopefully, hopefully it'll help the Grand Prix class on the on the you know uh, with regards to them being ready, being consistent, um, you know, and uh, yeah. put a good show. Yeah. All right. All right. Excellent. Well, I want to talk a little bit more about your 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 career before we move on, but. I mean, you've raced so many different classes. What's been your favorite class that you've raced so far? Oh, well, most definitely. I, I'm, I used to love uh, Hydro 350, 5-liter Hydro 350 uh, for the competitiveness of the class. I mean, there's always been 24, you know, uh, boats uh, every weekend. Uh, when you race in Valleyfield, there's always over 30, 35 boats in the past. Uh, so for me, that's the stock car of boat racing. Uh, you know, I mean, it's uh, rubbing, rubbing is racing is a, a very good uh, slogan for that class. Yeah. Um, and I used to love that class, but I mean, Grand Prix is Grand Prix, Grand Prix. I mean, when you have 1300 horsepower and it's instant acceleration, a blown motor, I mean, that's the most exciting, uh, you know, the, 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 the feeling. Uh, it gives you goosebumps. You you never get you, you know. Yes, you get used to the speed, but it's always the sensation is always amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I don't have enough experience in Unlimited to tell you that I, you know, my initial reaction for Unlimited is like, wow. Uh, yeah. it, the, the top speeds were uh, jaw dropping. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I love the way an Unlimited turns. Uh, it turns as if it's on rails. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, it's amazing. Uh, I'm impressed on how heavy they feel, how, how they ride. Um, they don't like a Grand Prix, I find accelerates, uh, you know, much, much faster. Uh, you know, if you compare both classes, mm -hmm. you know, the biggest class, both cl biggest classes, a Grand Prix will accelerate unbelievably. Uh, versus an unlimited, but once an unlimited is gone, uh, with those two, <laughs> mile, two mile, two and a half mile courses, yeah. the, the, the top speed is like when you see 200 miles an hour on your speedometer, mm -hmm. it's like wow, you know. Yeah. yeah well, the, I mean, the, the power to weight ratio in the, in the Grand Prix is insane, right? I mean, like you're yeah. saying, that accelerates so quick. Exactly. It's, yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. Blown engine is instant it's it's instant i mean yeah. you have the you make a mistake as a driver you have the power to um how do you say that in english recuperate your mistake mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. quickly yeah. uh you make a mistake in other classes it may take you a while to get going and unlimited <laughs> to i mean um i've noticed it doesn't have as much torque as, as a grand prix uh, you know with regards to acceleration so um, it's it's going to be different driving in unlimited. Um, it's going to be a you know different different style of driving. I'm I'm just going to hopefully get used to it as quickly as possible. Well, I mean, last summer you got some laps in several locations, but your first time was in Gunnersville. You yeah. got to take out the U7. I believe that was in testing one of the one, day, one of the days on the weekend, and you did some laps of 150 miles an hour. I think your first time out, right? Yeah. So it, you picked it up pretty quick, I think. Yeah, I surprised, I surprised <laughs> a few people, but I even surprised myself when I got to shore and found out the last speeds I was running. Uh, but no, I mean, like I said, the boat, an unlimited, I was like, first of all, I was very fortunate that in Guntersville, the water was, couldn't, couldn't get any more perfect than that for a first time out in a hydroplane, like an unlimited hydroplane. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you know, and the team set it up, you know, like they, they worked on it during the whole weekend. And when we got to Sunday, the boat was, because we hadn't had a chance to test during, uh, you know, uh, in the off season. So yeah. we ran into problems Friday, 
uh, you know, and the guys work real hard. And by Sunday, Bert had a great boat. And when I went out on Sunday morning, I mean, the boat was so smooth. The water was so smooth. I mean, and it, yeah. it, it really, really, it, it, it drove so nicely that it made the job easy to drive. I, I was amazed on how easy it was to drive. Uh, yes, it took me a, a one, like the first lap to understand how it turned. Uh, yeah. It took me one lap, but uh, once I got the hang of it and how to tweak it around the corner, um, then after that, it was just, you know, and I was wondering if I was okay at the end of the straightaway, you know, I, because uh, for me, I've always been, I've raced for 25 years with a wing, but I always used to play with my wings with a button on my steering. Uh, oh, okay. yeah. uh, now I get into an unlimited and <laughs> uh, it's foot pedal. The wing is, a, is you play with your wing, mm -hmm. uh, your canard with a foot pedal. Uh, I wasn't used to that. Um, you know, there are two pedals, one to bring the nose down, one to bring the nose up. Uh, and uh, so I, I, you know, it was just a question of trying to get used to the wing as well for, you know, during the whole year, uh, mm -hmm. trying to perfect the way I, I use my feet uh, with regards to that canard in the front. So, uh, but it was so, it's so smooth, unbelievable. Yeah. 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 So, so safe to say you're pretty comfortable that first time out then. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. That canard setup with a foot, is that something that you want to just get more comfortable with? Or do you want to try to go to more of a hydraulic system with the, in the limiteds? Or is that something that uh, they, they don't want you to, to try to get comfortable with doing that? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, 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 you know, I'll, I'll get used to the foot pedal. Uh, yeah. I'll, get used to, I'll, I'll be using the foot pedal. But uh, I'd be curious to, uh, I, honestly, I'd be curious to put an actuator in there mm -hmm. and, and try it with an actuator because the, the courses and the corners are so big in an unlimited. I mean, you know, people were telling me, oh, it's, it's foot pedal because it's instant. But I don't think it needs to be that instant when you're in unlimited. I mean, mm -hmm. and foot pedal... Uh, is very you know depending on the the, the water conditions it's very hard to uh, to keep the wings stable uh, because your feet are you know your feet can be moving uh, yeah you know, has a chance to move in this and that so I mean I'd be curious to really try a, an actuator and, uh, and and try different you know tweak the wing at different positions with an actuator that's the advantage you have yeah. Well, I would think the canard system would be more of a proactive approach than reactive, right? If you're exactly. if you're spending too much time being reactive, there's some things that need to be adjusted in the driver's seat or the boat, right? Exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Exactly. But the the thing is with an actuator, you know, uh, on on your steering wheel is, you know, you can you can bring the wing up an eighth of an inch. You can wing bring the wing up a quarter of an inch. Uh, and, 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 you know, find the, the sweet spot for the boat while you're riding. But with a foot pedal, well, you know, um, you, you can't move quarter inch increments, you know, to find the sweet spot. It's right. you either use it or you don't. So, yeah. uh, you know, there, there are advantages to both. There are advantages. All right. Well, I know last year there was an effort to get the T3 hull which was last ran as a degree boat, which is behind you. Yeah. Um, th th they were hopefully trying to get it ready for Seattle and Tri-Cities, but it didn't happen, unfortunately. Well, how are things going with that boat right now? Are they working on uh, that in going, Detroit, or is it still uh, in here in Seattle? Yeah, going very well. I mean, uh, we, uh, we worked on it, the, well, the team worked on it the, during the, this winter. I mean, uh, Bill uh, got in... Uh, and, and Bob Katapovic worked on it a lot uh, with, with Alex and, and Rachel. They, you know, they are quite often in Detroit and uh, they work on it. Uh, and the whole engine has been put in, uh, gearbox, everything's been set up so that everything fits perfectly. Everything's been preset. We put the boat upside down, we took measurements, um, you know, just to make sure everything was, we straightened everything out. Um, you know, and now the boat's right side up and it's being painted. Uh, it was being painted before the COVID uh, 
uh, situation where everything yeah. was closed down in Detroit. So, yeah. I mean, if it's not finished, it should be, you know, it, it will be as soon as they're, they're back, they're back at work. Okay. Um, you know, but, uh, so, and once, once it's finished painting, it, it, the only thing is to put everything back in. So, I mean, uh, hopefully uh, the team will be able to go down, hopefully, uh, and help out the, the rest of the team and uh, help out the guys that are, are in Detroit and get everything ready. Cool. What, what colors are we going to see on there this year? Is that? Uh, it's going it, to be, a, it's pretty much going to be the same thing as what you're seeing in the background. Okay. It's going to be a black and gold, uh, black and gold uh, with uh, some, uh, some white uh, um, and gray. So, I mean, and silver. So uh, it's pretty much going to look like what you see in the back, but with no degree, uh, anything like that so okay All right. yeah nice paint job yeah I mean, it's like, very pretty sharp right yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. yeah well i know there's been some work on some other of dave's boats he has a few yeah. to say the least right um yeah. i know he has the u2 trend west and there was talk yeah. at some time getting that out there has that been worked on at all uh, or yes i i believe it, it it will it will see water at some point in time uh we'll see the water at some point in time uh, that thing is, is ready to be painted as well. I mean, oh. they've been working, um, uh, Alex, uh, which is on the team, has been working a lot on that boat, getting it ready, uh, working hard. Um, you know, Jamie Alden, Bert Henderson did a lot of changes to that boat. They took a couple of hundred pounds out of that boat. It's now going to be <laughs> on the weight limit. Uh, okay. You know, they cut, you know, they did some changes which are interesting on that boat. Uh, so it should be a competitive boat. The rest, you know, everything, uh, all it needs to be is to get dressed up. And, and so, okay. you know, our objective was actually to possibly test it this summer, but uh, who knows now uh, what's going to happen with, yeah. uh, with all of this. It's, it, it's putting us back on uh, a little there uh, on our program, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, well, it gives us more time to dream, I guess, but exactly. less less time to work on it. Well, is, is there any other updates that you've heard from Vardisha shop or Henderson shop? I know Henderson shop's always busy. Well, the U7, you know, the U7 is back home. Uh, that I know. Uh, it's back home. Probably work's done on it uh, or being done on it. And uh, that too is uh, ready, ready to be painted as well, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, you know, I saw pictures of the bodywork being done and the primer being put on. So, I mean, it, you know, I, again, when the COVID happened, were they, you know, did they have time to finish painting it red? Uh, it will be red again. Okay. So, um, but uh, that's pretty much uh, where we're at uh, with regards to that. I know that uh, Bill, uh, uh, while all of this has been happening, uh, Bill has been wor you know, working on, on, you know, the engines and, and, and the gearboxes, uh, uh, you know, they've been working closely. Bob uh, Katapovic and, and Bill uh, have been communicating and working on both, uh, you know, just to get things, what they can get ready at home, you know, mm -hmm. uh, at, 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 in their own garage. So uh, hopefully things will be ready, uh, you know, when, when everything opens. All that we'll have to left is, is to dress it up. Okay. All right. Well, I'm, I'm excited to see you know, what the Partners team can do with two boats, you know, and see you back out, out in the water in the Unlimited class. It's a lot of promise there. I know the fans are excited to see what you guys will bring. So I'm really hoping this year we'll see you uh, on the water somewhere. Well, last year we learned a lot. I mean, uh, last year, well, I did, but I mean, the team. Uh, you know the team gelled and uh, we learned a lot with regards to uh, you know every running the whole whole complete season while you know you learn what setup you need for tri-cities what setup you need for seattle i mean we tried some stuff i mean will we run the same or run different stuff who knows uh but we definitely learned a lot uh, you know with regards to setup every weekend yeah awesome well, so far we still have Tri-Cities in Seattle and, and San Diego on the, on the schedule. So time will tell what we can, we can have this year. Hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, you know, I've heard that the, you know, the, they're still on. They're still on. I mean, uh, uh, I know I spoke to my, uh, I spoke to my good friend, uh, Mike Grindel, uh, which uh, owns a Grand Prix boat. And, uh, 
there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of HRL Grand Prix that will want to be going out west to race uh, with uh, you know Grand Prix America uh, at Tri Cities in Seattle. So uh, you know, yeah. I, I have a feeling we'll be seeing a lot of competition in the Grand Prix class. Well, I love it. Uh, yeah. I'll probably yeah. There's a, there's a good chance I'll be sitting in the Grand Prix as well. Uh, <laughs> I noticed that yeah, over there. Uh, yeah. You know, so um, you know, I may be driving two boats in Tri Cities in Seattle. Well, good. I hope so. I hope so. Now, the Grand Prix's put on a great show. And one thing I want to go back and talk a little bit more about is the Unlimited Light series. Uh, I know yeah. you raced for that for a number of years, and that was yeah. that was a fun series that really complemented the Unlimited. They had a really good package. They could race on, you know, majority of the course, but a little bit closer to the fans. Uh, what was your time like with the Unlimited Light class? How many, how many it years did you end up racing? It was an unbelievably great experience. Um, you know, when I went racing out there, I thought that uh, the effort was there to put a professional uh, show out there. I mean, the communication with the fans, like you mentioned, uh, you know, the professionalism of putting on the show, I was impressed. I was impressed with the people that were there. Uh, there were a lot of smart people in that organization. And uh, when I when I when I found out that uh, that you know that class was disappearing, I was really disappointed uh, because uh, I thought they were going in the right direction for a while. So um, you know, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. It is unfortunate, but I think uh, the Grand Prix class now is is in a lot of ways taking filling the void of that and they have a they have a great package um all around for for people to watch they do have a like i mean you look at the grand prix in hrl or you look at the grand prix uh, you know in grand prix america mm -hmm. uh, you know there there's great competition uh and uh, over the years they they've been able to uh, be more consistent with regards to engine package uh, you know, at first, uh, both classes had a lot of breakdowns, but over the years, uh, you know, I mean, they hold together, and if they hold together, they put on a, an amazing show. So, and uh, knock on wood, so far over the past uh, couple of years, there uh, everything's been going well, uh, yeah. even for us or the GP America, which I saw last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're they're exciting to watch, and hopefully they'll continue to grow and and uh, have more synergy with other classes there. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about your radio guys. They they play such a big part of your performance oh. out there, right? I mean, it's it's huge. Who who do you have for your go to radio guy? That's that's a tough question because uh, we were actually talking. We've been talking about this all winter long. Uh, we I have no clue who would be doing my radios. Uh, you know, in, in the T3 boat. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I've had, uh, you know, my best friend, you know, on the East Coast, uh, you know, Steve Rissom, he was doing my radios for uh, I, God knows how many years. And then after that, I had Mike Rendell, uh, which is the owner, was the owner of the Hydro 350, and, you know, uh, that I used to drive, which is now the owner of a Grand Prix. I mean, he was doing my radios and he was a great radio man as well. So, I mean, uh, but now driving unlimited, it's it's a different situation because you're fighting for lanes. So it, yeah. it's always nice to have, uh, you know, we've been thinking, okay, who can we get with regards to a radio per, uh, radio person, uh, you know, which has experience in, in, in it's, it'd be nice to get someone who has experience in fighting for lanes, yeah. who knows yeah. what's going on. So, uh, but uh, most definitely, uh, you know, it's it's something that's up in the air. And then I'm I'm actually working very hard and seeing who I can get with regards to because I did it for Bert Henderson last year, mm -hmm. and uh, it was my actually my first experience doing it. And I love doing uh, radios, but I just realized the first, you know, even though you're uh, you know you're not bad of a driver and you're not too bad in getting the inside lane. Doing radios is a completely different animal compared to driving, you know, sitting in a boat. So uh, you have to be quick on, you know, what's going on on the race course and, you know, what's Jay Michael doing, what's Jimmy Sheen doing, what's, you know, mm -hmm. who's mm -hmm. what on the course, uh, Jeff Bernard. Mm -hmm. So you're, you've got to have your eyes everywhere to see what everybody's doing as a strategy. And you, you have to 
properly inform the driver. So radio man is so crucial. It's unbelievable. Uh, I realized last year, you know, uh, yeah. so I have to work on, on finding someone that, uh, All right. you know, that's going to be positive. Yeah. All right. Well, should we put a thing out there saying you're taking applications now for uh, radio, radio guys? No, I mean, uh, we'll see. I mean, uh, you know, I've asked, uh, you know, it, it, it was tough because I asked a few guys from the HRL to, uh, you know, if they were interested in coming down, you know, yeah. being on the team and, you know, uh, to be my radio person. I mean, Mike Rendell was one of them. I, I asked Mike Monahan, which is a good friend. Uh, which is uh, extremely good in getting the inside lane, and he's uh, per, you know he's he's extremely strong in getting perfect starts. So, I mean these guys that I asked, uh, you know, and you know there's Doug uh, Doug Peterson on the on uh, the U7 crew, uh, which which is uh, which is good as well. But uh, you know I I believe he'll he may be doing he may be doing Bert Henderson's uh, radios. Okay. Uh, so who knows what's going to happen. Would, would you but, prefer uh, someone to speak in French or English or does, does that matter for you? Oh, no. I mean, it, for me, uh, I mean, I'm perfectly bilingual. So, I mean, I'll take anybody that's in English because, you know, the, the, the main thing is having someone uh, in English because, uh, I mean, the rest of the team is listening as well. So it wouldn't be fair for for the rest of the team not understanding what's being said <laughs> on the radio. <laughs> well, I think it'd be kind of fun to have someone speaking French though, because if there's other teams near you trying to listen to what they're saying, they won't, they won't know what's going on if you're speaking French, right? Yeah, that's right? true, that's true. So, that's, that's another way of seeing it. That's, <laughs> that's actually a good way of seeing it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, awesome. Sure. All right. Well, is there anything you, you want to tell the fans out here from the West Coast that um, aren't as familiar with HRL, Valley Field, that Grand Prix class out there? Well, you know, the Hydroplane Racing League, you, you know, I mean, uh, we're on Facebook. Uh, we're on uh, every social media uh, possible. So, you know, just come like our page and come see, uh, you know, we're ne as of next week, uh, we're putting on uh, interviews uh, with regards to uh, with drivers. Okay. Uh, we're putting on videos, uh, and we're putting on uh, on videos for with regards to past races uh, that that's been happened for the past ten years. So, uh, you know, and and we're also going to talk about the Valley Fair Regattas. I mean, what who impacted the Valley Fair Regattas? Once a week, we'll be doing an article on that. So uh, there'll be a lot of exposure on, on, on Facebook with regards to uh, the Hydroplane Racing League and the Valley Fair Regattas. Awesome. And I mean. Uh, don't be shy. Anybody that wants to come to the Valley Fair Regattas, you can personally communicate with me. I mean, uh, I'll set, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll make sure I direct everybody in the right direction uh, for them to have a great time, uh, you know, in Valley Field for sure. All right. Well, I got your number now, so I'll be calling you for yeah, next you year. Go. So get some <laughs> VIP access. Exactly. Right. Well, yeah. at, for, for the fans out there for HRL series, what can they do to help support the series with this this time off? Is there things that they can do with uh, the fans? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, just come, uh, you know, come uh, view our stuff. I mean, just uh, view our stuff, uh, like, like our stuff, and uh, you know, make sure that uh, we have as much exposure as possible. And I mean, we have such, uh, we had such good races, such nice races, and, and you know, and, and our drivers are, are, you know, they're young guns. You know, there are a lot of young guns out there. There are a lot of guys with experience out there. Which are fun and fun to listen to. So, uh, I mean, it'll be very easy uh, once you listen to, uh, you know, Andrew Tate. You know, Andrew Tate. Yep. Uh, you know, yep. Mike Monahan, Bert Henderson, and, and and company. I mean, it'll it'll be easy to like the page and uh, and to listen to every week. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. Well, well, if you're a fan out there, please do that. And get get some access to their their sites, some likes and shares, and get more exposure for the series. Exactly. Yeah. All right. We well, also have application, though. we also have, we're also working on on uh, you know on modifying our application, which will be up uh, at some point in time. So uh, you know, not only will we have the not only will we have the uh, you know the um, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, you name it, uh, social media, but we'll also have a, a, an application very soon, uh, which will inform everyone. Uh, you know. Uh, on on social media when it will be up and functioning, so uh, should awesome. be a fun. Uh, yeah. All right. Good to hear. Good to hear. 
All right. So before I let you get back to uh, get off the phone and get towards uh, home life, what what are you binge watching? Are you binge watching anything at home right now? Um, Why are you having to stay home? Oh my God. I mean, I wasn't like I wasn't a great fan of Netflix, but I guess I am now. Uh, but you know what? I've been watching a lot of YouTube. Uh, you know, being a fan of racing in general. Uh, you know, I've been watching uh, you know historic NASCAR races, Formula One races. But I've been mainly, mainly watching uh, unlimited racing. Uh, I've been, you know, I've gone from every year since 2011 to today. Today, when you go to the H1 race site, been yeah. studying the, been studying everyone's tactics. Uh, you know, <laughs> been looking at, you know, great drivers what their tactics tactics were. You know, uh, David Watt, for example, uh, Steve David. Uh, you know, so. Uh, I've been watching a whole ton of uh, YouTube on on H1 Unlimited and just studying uh, studying everything. Yeah. Well, that's fun to hear that you're a student in the sport. I'm excited to see what you can what you can pull through uh, when you get on the water with that. That's very fun. Uh, you, you learn yeah. a lot just by watching uh, yeah. videos. I yeah. mean, it, a lot of people will say, "Well, you're not on the water yet." No, but yeah. I mean. It's it's fun to see what was going on and who was where and and what strategies they used to get the inside lean and and stuff like that over the past few years. So uh, you know you get to know the drivers and what oh, yeah. they do. Yeah. yeah, awesome. Well, I don't know if you all seen on H1 Unlimited site, they have some classic races they've been releasing sporadically. I've um, been watching all those yeah. as well. Uh, it's been really interesting uh, <coughs> and uh, you know. Uh, but uh, been, been watching a lot of Unlimited, been, been watching a lot of HRL as well, bringing back memories, been watching my races uh, once in a while, so uh, <laughs> puts a smile on my face, uh, you know, so uh, right. it's cool. Awesome. All right, well, thank you so much, Patrick. It was great talking with you, and I'm looking forward to hopefully racing this year. If not, we'll see you next year for sure. Thanks, Dave. Nice talking yeah. to you. Well, I hope you've enjoyed our episode. Make sure you come back next week to listen to our next episode. We release new episodes every Tuesday at 5 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Also, don't forget to hit that subscribe button on your podcast player, as well as rate and review your experience. For more updates on Hydro News, check us out on social media. We're on the major players, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Rooster Tail Talk is also online with our website, www.roostertailtalk.com. On the website, you can sign up for an email subscription list to get notifications on upcoming episodes, Hydro News, podcast updates, and much, much more. Finally, This is a free podcast to all of our listeners. And if you're really enjoying your experience and want to help us to continue to grow and expand, please donate. You can find a link to donate through PayPal on our website through the support tab. So until next time, I hope to see you at the races.